Welcome back to another edition of the Comics Pals Book Club. This time around, I am joined by Marco and Phil, and we're going to be talking Captain Marvel. Oh, cool. I love Shazam. Yeah, I love Shazam, too. Good thing you both went for the exact same joke. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We are talking Marvel's Captain Marvel. Oh, is this the one where he dies of cancer? (laughs) <laughs> no, Phil. Jeez, we are talking about Carol Danvers, the new, as of what, 2012 Captain Marvel? When did she become uh, Captain Marvel? <laughs> Dude, you need to uh, brush up on your comic books there. What? Uh, but we're here to help because we are doing a book club on the very subject. Uh, this episode is centered, as I said, around Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel. For this, we actually read... The second run uh, that Kelly Sue DeConnick had with the character, uh, this time with art by David Lopez, with the colors coming from Lee Lowridge. Uh, And this is actually the 2014 run. Just in case there's any confusion out there for you guys, we experienced a little bit of confusion with that ourselves. uh, So we want to make sure that everybody's on the same page with us as far as what we read for this book. There are way too many number one Kelly Sue DeConnick Captain Marvels. (laughs) <laughs> there are way too many number one Captain Marvels. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 crazy. This is from that period of Marvel where they were just rebranding like every year. It was a new number one, mm. uh, which was tough to follow even for me as a you know someone who keeps up with Marvel stuff. Um, so I want to start this out by asking you guys what your familiarity with Captain Marvel coming into this was. Uh, Marco, why don't you start? Uh, so it's interesting because my familiarity is actually from the X-Men when she was part of uh, Rogue and like had that sort of split personality. So that that's my understanding of like who sort of Captain Marvel is. And uh, this was a brand new take for me. Like outside of that, I, I knew nothing else. Uh, I have no connection to the original Captain Marvel. Like so um, going from Rogue slash Captain Marvel to or Carol, Carol Danvers into this was a, a huge jump but uh I I, I like the character the, there are some there are some differences and I haven't read the that rogue stuff in a while but there are some uh some differences with the character that I feel like I, I really enjoyed uh in this run awesome uh, what about you Phil yeah like Marco uh, my familiarity with Carol Danvers uh, in my origins of Marvel familiarity roots in the X-Men. You steal my opening joke and I steal my backstory? What's up? <laughs> so, I live in Queens, New York and... <laughs> <laughs> with my girlfriend and a cat. That's right. Um, but, uh, as a kid, my favorite uh, comic books were the X-Men books and I mm. used to peruse this website called UncannyXMen.net back in 2003-2004 and would just read characters' biographies for hours and the reality is Carol Danvers is an intrinsic part of Rogue's backstory and that was mm-hmm. my familiarity with her and it kind of helped me branch out into the greater Marvel uh, landscape. That said, uh, would be a couple years later that I actually became a big Captain Marvel fan. Um, Peter David did a pair of runs on Marvel's son Genisvel that uh, were my favorite books as a kid. Uh, 
and yeah, that character has been dead for 13 years or something killed <laughs> off in Fabian Nassiz's Thunderbolts run but I absolutely love that character and I love that book so I became really fascinated with the Captain Marvel legacy I went back and read a lot of Jim Starlin's Captain Marvel uh, during Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy I was a big fan of Phylavel which is Janice Bell's sister um, so I'm on board with Carol Danvers as Captain Marvel because she seems like the only character that can really keep that legacy going in today's landscape. Mm. Awesome. My first actual exposure to Carol Danvers was like Mighty Avengers, New X, uh, New Avengers or whatever, that circa 2006, 7, 2005 period. Yeah, yeah, me too, actually. That was where I first discovered her myself. I mean... Other than the the X Men TV show and having like a you know a knowledge of her through that, I didn't know anything about her. All the Marvel comics that I had read, you know, here and there over the years, did not include her. She wasn't that you know big of a deal. And then it wasn't until Bendis sort of put her on the New Avengers and tried to make her something that I was like, oh, I actually really like this character. She was the first character that I can recall uh, seeing in the comics, I'd never seen Wonder Woman in a comic book before and all her all the other versions that I had seen, she's like super skinny um, this was the first time that I saw a female hero who was buff you know, like really buff hmm. um, I see your I, cards on the table <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> someone likes thick with two C's <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that's true, too, and that also led to my love of She-Hulk. But that <laughs> notwithstanding, I love the fact that she was a leader. She led from the front. She was different than a lot of other leadership figures that I'd seen at that time and even now in comics. She was sort of military-minded, or at least had that approach, kind of militant. And it was just different, you know? Like, there were parallels in my mind even then between her and captain america you know um and of course um we would see that played off later in, in the in the books um but at that time i just thought it was cool that she was unique yeah she really kind of rose through the ranks within marvel over the last 30 years she went from a c or d lister to you know a b lister with bendis to being a proper a lister in the last five years or so yeah a lot of exposure absolutely so, um, we actually reviewed Kelly Sudeconic's Aquaman uh, recently on the, on the main show, the Comics Pals proper, and we weren't huge fans of that. This is the second thing that I'm reading of Kelly Sudeconic's, and so I'm actually really excited to talk about it. Uh, so, let's just jump right in. Now, this run kind of, you know, drops us off in the middle of sort of nowhere with the character. Um, in the sense that there's nothing coming into this that feels like you need to know too much. Um, but it does introduce, you know, her, her relationship with uh, War Machine. It introduces some of her friendships and different things like that. Um, so just kicking right off, do you guys think that this run, especially I would say the first six issues, but the run in general, does a good job of establishing carol danvers as a character outside of you know being an avenger or, or whatever do you think it, it populates her world well it tries to uh there's definitely mm, a, there's yeah. definitely an effort uh you get 
an exposure to you know her niece uh what the people are like in her real life how she's kind of a real life hero to her family uh you get the whole roadie thing uh but i don't think it dwells on it on purpose because i think the whole objective here is to get her into space she 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 has that luke skywalker impulse of like i need to be doing more i have a greater destiny here and for her it's to be in space right and and i think that that was done deliberately um because kelly sue's first run is not like that and so i think they wanted to explore different things with her marco did what they did what they did to establish or did the supporting role that or the supporting cast rather that you see in this book work for you did it feel like it did a good job of of filling her world out so um yeah i think roadie was the one of the only characters that i like recognized instead of like tony and stuff like that so um like kit i had no context for her family i didn't really have context for spider woman was there for some reason so uh, obviously i'm i I jump into these books uh, and i'm kind of just like i don't really know who these people are and i I kind of accept it it frustrating when yeah you have to kind of accept it but i find it frustrating because it's like i want to know especially with like kit she has such a personal relationship with her that i would have liked to have had that context uh but when they take her away from earth and they sort of start with like a clean slate. I thought that was fine because mm. it, it it throws you into a this is the life of kind of a scenario. And I was okay with that. I think that made it a little bit easier for me without sort of having to try to bog me down with who are these people. And yeah, I mean, it was overall, I think that first arc and the way it tries to describe her character, again, it was different from what I'd experienced with Rogue where she was a little bit more uh like i think sean you said it she was a lot more like militant yeah and even more so before and here she seemed a lot more she seemed a lot like a lot more fun and kind of not necessarily carefree but uh more relaxed i think and and i i enjoyed that Uh, but i don't feel like i got too much of her character per se like it because she was always bouncing off other people right and so i i never felt like i got a sense of who she was let me ask you a follow-up question here marco you you didn't appreciate the supporting cast that much did you support the supporting cats (laughs) i did support the supporting cats those cats were uh very cool what's her what's her cat's name again chewy Um, chewy Chewy, yes chewy chewy becomes a flirt or is revealed to be a flirt and of course rocket already knew that what did you guys think about the sort of cameo inclusion of the guardians of the galaxy that was fun uh, i i have not read guard uh, any guardian story and to see rocket in sort of cartoon form was or comic form was a lot of fun and it actually it actually had me more interested in the guardians <laughs> than it did carol unfortunately <laughs> i was like oh this is a cool team like i recognize these people they're different from what i've seen in the movie like groot's a scary looking dude but uh he's otherwise uh i think it was fun <laughs> i kind of differ from marco here i i i get a little disappointed whenever i see the guardians of the galaxy in books because for a while i enjoy the movies quite a lot i don't like that the books have become mirror images of the movies we had the same exact 
Guardians of the Galaxies from the James Gunn movies. Their personalities are very identical to the James Gunn movies, which is not really the source material of the movie, ironically. So whenever I see the Guardians of the Galaxy pop up in Marvel books the last five years, like it's just it's it's never for me because it's not the it's not it's not the version that launched them into the hearts of comic book fans to begin with. Oh, you're referring to like the the older like 2008 yeah. or nine yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And seeing seeing them pop up not resemble that formative run is always a killer to me. It just kills me. Yeah, I I hear you on that, and in a lot of ways, I I do agree. Um, I I like their inclusion because it it allowed Kelly Sue to flex her sort of funny mm-hmm. muscles, her funny bones. Um, and I, I did enjoy that, and I like the the sort of role that Rocket played, but it also felt like it took away, like you said, Marco, you, you yeah. became interested in them, right? When the focus is supposed to be on her, <laughs> she she she's lobbying to write for Guardians. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, give me, give me. <laughs> that could be good. That could be good, actually. Um, but then things kind of jump over and and we see um captain marvel you know on this this whole new planet uh torfa and we really get into the drama and the politics that are going on there um what did you guys make of this this storyline it it puts captain marvel in a position where she has to accept some things and intrinsically wants to help you know, this group of people with their plight, obviously, um, they're basically slaves or enslaved and kind of on lockdown um, by Jason and the Spartax, uh, Jason being um, Star-Lord's father. And, and, it, and so it puts her in such an, such an awkward situation. Did, what did you guys look, think of that whole plot? Well, it, I'm not really into the whole Spartax stuff that much, um, but... I think it's really challenging when you put a character on a foreign planet like something like this uh, because the, the the end goal is that you're world creating literally from scratch, right? Um, what I immediately compared right. it to is Greg Pak's Planet Hulk, which which was uh, like a masterful yeah, okay. job at kind of creating something from the ground up and making something really unique and fleshed out. Um, but you know what? Greg Pak had a lot of time to develop a lot of that stuff this was only a few issues and it felt like that it felt like these were all just kind of plot devices to bounce off carol yeah it it felt uh not to be mean but it kind of felt like run-of-the-mill like a run-of-the-mill story and and with like oh you know there's like a whole uh subplot with like oh it's a conspiracy and there's like other things and she felt very much like a character who's just who's just there versus sort of being an actor necessarily outside of obviously like the physical stuff she does but uh, inconsequentially she she didn't like she didn't necessarily even have to fit it, it also so this book in general really really reminded me of colin bunn and cm punk's drax run from around this time which is a very it was very similar mm. in that you know you drop Drax on a new planet and you introduce him to a lot of new supporting characters and new antagonists and you kind of just speed through the details uh, and I think that was 
maybe a mission statement from Marvel. I have nothing to prove it, but it, it felt like it's more. It felt like there was a, a collective goal of just let's make this all fun and not really get bogged down in the details. Hmm. Fair enough. I actually. <clears throat> I guess I had a little bit of a of a different take than that. I I, I kind of was into the storyline actually. It was simple. It was it was very simple. But I liked first of all. I, I was a fan of Madame Elanidis. I, I'm not sure how to say her name. Oh, like the the head um, lady. But yeah, she was cool. She's badass. Yeah, the, the the queen or whatever. Yeah, I liked how she was never afraid to challenge Captain Marvel's way of thinking, and it very much reminded me of you know I I don't want to get bogged down in this necessarily, but it was sort of like whenever you have like the idea of like white savior, right? And how a, a white person will come into an environment that they're foreign to and think that they can solve the problems and they have all the answers without realizing the complexities, which can be politically based, racially based, um, whatever, you know, whatever the reason is, this is more complex than whatever you think you understand about what's happening here. And I like that it presented that idea. Um, and, and that's not new in science fiction. Certainly not. Um it's fairly common, but I liked seeing Captain Marvel put in that position because she's used to having the right answer. She's used to knowing what's up. She's used to being able to brute force her way through a problem or just, you know, attack it head first and, and, and get things done. And this was a little different than that, at least the way it was presented at first. It ended up being, you know, it ended up being that she was able to fight her way through it, but... I liked her having to be confronted with things that were more, bigger than just, I'm going to punch this, you know? <laughs> it was like she was validated at the end. <laughs> I think it's the end of issue three when what Sean's referring to. And I honestly think in terms of dialoguing, this was probably the standout portion of the entire run when she's, when she's talking yeah. to her. And, and uh, she, what's her name? The Madam... Elanidus? That's my best Elanidus shot. Gives her like a, she's like you do not understand the complexities of our socio-economic, socio-political, and anthropological like environment here. You're coming in as a foreigner and trying to impose your worldview without knowing any of the complexities of what's going on here. And like I, th- I thought the way she structured that conversation and to kind of take a, uh, a character and have them completely shit on your main character, I I think that's a I think that's a struggle, and I think she does a really good job of that. I I definitely agree with like the point that it's that part of the story is definitely like the stronger end, and it, it's it's definitely more poignant. But I felt like it could have been like it could have been the Guardians of the Galaxy in that situation. It didn't necessarily have to be Captain Marvel. It could have been like uh, Tony randomly was in in space, and like he would react different. But you could still have that same situation. So I didn't feel like it it catered to a captain marvel specific story uh yeah i i you know when you put it like that i definitely see where you're coming from um her unique personality didn't solve the problem right yeah (laughs) and so that that is that is definitely a point of frustration what i was hoping to get out of this series that i didn't quite get was more of what makes her different because when i go back to yeah her in the new avengers you know which is you know eight years removed from this book um 
you get a sense of how she's different than every other hero. But even characters who, like you said, who appeared in this very run could have gotten the job done in a similar way. Um, Phil, do you what do you think about that? Do you agree with that? Yeah, but you know what? I think that's true of just about any book. You can put pretty much any character in an environment and say, like, well, you could do you could have done this story with a different character. Um, and that's true for everything. And I don't think that's a negative aspect here. I think it speaks lar- larger to Marco's disinterest in reading Carol Danvers after the Guardians of the Galaxy showed up. Because after they disappeared, he's like, well, I, now I want to see more of these guys. Right. Um, but I don't think that means that they couldn't do the story with Carol. Um, what I will bring up is something that you brought up earlier, Marco. It felt like there has been a real cognizant effort to sort of rebrand Carol Danvers' personality because she was very militant. She was very aggressive. Um, And, Sean, you brought up her relationship with Captain America, but the way their military backgrounds clash in their personalities was really pronounced in that late 2000s era Marvel. Whereas here, uh, they're making her more of a leading lady character because I don't know if, if that Captain Marvel from 2007 is a character that can carry a book and be relatable. Mm. This Captain Marvel feels a lot more relatable to a larger audience. Well, she did. She she did. Uh, she had a, a run. I think it was. I want to say it was Peter David. I I I'm probably wrong about that. But she had a run at that same time that was pretty popular. And what like 2007 or whatever? Yeah, uh, 2005 ish. 2006? Huh. Yeah. Um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll look for it while we, while we talk here, but I'll, ne- I'll never forget that because the first cover to that, um, to that oh, run. Oh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, you know, I was, I was, whatever age I was, I was very into it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, but no, I actually read that run as well and really enjoyed it. So, no, she, she's, even then, she was definitely a character that people were into, and 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 had her and had her, you know, her shot. All right, fair enough. Yeah, shit on me. It's fine. <laughs> if you want to hear more of that, uh, you can just go listen to the main show. That, exactly. Um, but but no, you you bring up a good point in that they did kind of deviate away a little bit from her more militant personality at times in this run. But what's so weird is that in. Civil War Two, which was what a year after this, like, yeah, she she's right back in that mode. Was it was it really a year after that? Uh, so, yeah, uh, two years, twenty sixteen ish, around there. Oh mm-hmm. wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they they released it to uh, coincide with the movie. Actually, it was probably around twenty fourteen. I think you're right, twenty fifteen. Yeah, either way, um, she went right back to that. And I think that some of that we're going to see even in the movie. Um, At least I hope we do, because I think that that's one of the things that makes her most interesting as a character is is how, you know, different she is from every other hero we always see. So I think there's been a really cognizant groundwork being put in place here of trying to make Carol Danvers the Wonder Woman of, of Marvel. And maybe even to a lesser extent, like maybe the Superman, in terms of like her 
they're, they're trying to centralize her more as a, a main player in the last five, seven years. And I think Kelly Sue DeConnick was maybe tasked with, you know, really fleshing out her character. Yeah, for sure. Between her first run and her second run, I would say that that was absolutely yeah. the call. And I felt like that even then when it was happening. Like, okay, there's a movement around this character. Um, because I think she was even appearing in the shows, the animated shows, um, mm. Earth, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, I think. Um, th- whatever. The point is that there was a there was a movement around this character. It was obvious they wanted to position her better. That culminated with Civil War Two in comics, and then it's going to culminate in the movies with her having her own movie. Um, and I I always. I always wanted her to get that position, but not the Wonder Woman role. Not, not, don't make her Wonder Woman, you know, make her who she is. Make her Captain Marvel, make her Carol Danvers, turn the volume up, and position her alongside the rest of the Avengers. And when I look at this run, especially, well, you know, I think the first six issues of this series are the best of, of yeah. this particular run. When I look at this run... One thing I will say, and it's absolutely no discredit to Kelly Sue or what she attempted. I don't know the circumstances. It doesn't feel like this isn't this isn't Ed Rubicker's Captain America, or you know, and, and take your pick on Iron Man or take your pick on Thor. You know, like that's not what this is. I'm not sure if that's what she was put in a position to do, though. I don't think they went to her and say write the definitive Captain Marvel book. I think it was introduce Captain Marvel to a new audience. I can see that. I, I, I right. think that that makes sense. Because um, yeah, it definitely doesn't feel like a this is my like stamp on the character. But don't you think? Because when you look at when you look at like Captain America by Ed Brubaker, right? That was very much a reintroduction of the character because he had been, you know, C list sort of for a while and then that juxtaposed with the well not juxtaposed with but like aligned with the release of new avengers and him being the the main character there is what boosted him and made him a top level character in civil war of course captain marvel never gets that and i feel like this was the opportunity it it kind of feels like marvel doesn't do that anymore they don't go for that long form storytelling that ed brubaker did with captain america which lasted like what five years or whatever no maybe even more it was a while yeah 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 this guy put down a a stamp to make the definitive captain america run right in the last three years like how many ongoings have they let really go on to put a like a definitive Mm. stamp on a character yeah last four years I mean, even even these runs are an example of that. Like, they kept revamping Captain Marvel. They just don't do that anymore. Yeah, I think, well, Marvel's been in, in a place of transition in general, I would say. And, and, and to, be, to be fair to your point, long arcs like that are sort of from a bygone era in general. Um, you, you just don't see that a lot across the board from Marvel and DC. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, DC still has that though. Tom King is gonna write a hundred Batman issues or something. Scott Snyder was on Batman for many years. You know, it looks like Bendis is gonna have a pretty long run on Superman. So, I mean, there is that that still exists. If you're stretching it to that degree, then Marvel has it too. 
because um, Thor, right? That's Thor, sorry, right? Thor. That's a great point, Jason. Yeah, Aaron, yeah, yeah. Slots. Oh, that's uh, right. Spider-Man yeah. uh, just wrapped up. So you know, Marvel. Yeah, Marvel has right. their fair share. But to 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 bring the focus back to Captain Marvel, um, and in particular to these these first six issues. Um, what did you guys think about the resolution of this big conflict? We find out that um, what's actually going on is that there's this vibranium sickness that they've been mining the planet, and um, that's the reason why everybody's so sick. Uh, and then, of course, the big fight breaks down, and you know everything like that. Um, did did this feel? You mentioned earlier, I think, Phil, that it felt like they didn't have enough issues to resolve this. Is do you feel like this is where that that sort of pops up towards the end? Yeah, because it kind of feels like this conflict was rushed mm-hmm. to resolve it. Um, like I said, I, I think of Planet Hulk, where a lot of the conflicts that were presented in that story had a lot of room to breathe. That wasn't the case here, um, and it's funny because Captain Marvel ended up being that white savior anyway. <laughs> What about you, Marco? Did the resolution of this work for you at all? I agree with Phil. It was kind of, it wasn't paced out strongly towards the end. I think definitely the introduction, and it, it especially hooked me um, to that, at that section that we were talking about earlier, where, you know, Madame uh, Elaine, Elena is like sort of explaining and expressing like what is going on, and you get that full picture, but then it just feels like it focuses on something a lot smaller and just like tries to wrap it up. Right. What do you think, Sean? I feel two ways about it, again, because on the one hand, I agree it's quick. There's no question this isn't Planet Hulk. They don't have... Kelly Sue clearly doesn't have the time to tell that story. Maybe that wasn't her interest, like you said. Maybe that wasn't the call. Um, I did like this particular um, line of of, um, uh, inner monologue on, on Carol's part. She says... I am not a billionaire genius like Tony, and I think we've established I am damn sure not a diplomat like Cap, but there's one thing I can give the people of Torfa, I can give them time. Um, and so she's putting her, her she's putting her body on the line, she's putting her powers to use in a way that allows the people of Torfa to fight their own battle. And I think that that was the point of the story. It wasn't so much that Captain Marvel herself should be able to come in and resolve this through words or even through her fists um but her presence and her ability to you know draw attention allows the people of torfa to actually resolve the issue on their own on the planet itself while she takes to the skies yeah um that's that kind of classic like adam strange type story where he shows up on a planet there's some kind of major conflict or dispute he's able to help mediate the conflict and move on to the next planet and have that kind of mm-hmm. plan of the week type story right and and i i did like the the characters um like we mentioned uh elena we meant well we didn't mention any of the other ones but elena i, I liked a lot jackie um was the the technician the female technician mm-hmm. that they had um b um, I don't. He was like in a robot suit or whatever for most of the book. Um, it, the the characters that they that they presented us, that Kelly presented us with, were interesting, and so I did care about their plight. And when you only have six issues to get the job done for this arc, which to be honest, there were so many more issues. There's like what fifteen of these, and those didn't feel as impactful. I'm not sure why they couldn't just stretch this yeah. out. But when you only have six issues. 
if you gave us a handful of characters that are sort of compelling and interesting, if you gave us a plot that you can follow and is kind of compelling and interesting, that's sort of a success, right? Yeah, and and like the the characters themselves, I think they were they were definitely like fun, uh, and and I think they made the the world feel a little bit more lived in and and just more. Uh, I was gonna say ecstatic, but that's not the word. More like I don't know, just yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I, but like still that it it just wasn't like it, it was good. But it wasn't like that next level or that like next echelon per se. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think that my biggest criticism would be mm-hmm. that exactly what you just said is that nothing here is offensive. Nothing here is like bad. At least I don't think so. Um, but nothing here is is head and shoulders above what else is on the shelves and above, you know above and beyond none of none of it elevates captain marvel mm-hmm. and i think that's supposed to be the point i think this book wasn't written for us i think this book was targeted at a teenage girl demographic that doesn't really read maybe marvel comics or captain marvel comics um i think this reflects that whole initiative marvel had where it's like revamping number ones constantly to bring in this new audience of people that maybe don't know where to start i i think this book was targeted at a younger not super young, but a younger audience that had no familiarity. And they, I think they kept things moving, kept it brisk, and it was really just to get people familiar with Captain Marvel. And I think it worked. Because there's a lot of people who maybe don't have that background of Marvel who really like Captain Marvel now. That's fair enough. Um, so the actual you know mainline story that we've been talking about ends with issue 5. And David Lopez uh, jumps off on this issue and Marcio Takara takes over. So before we talk about what comes later, uh, I do want to just talk about the art within the first five issues. What did you guys think about David Lopez and his art style and whether or not it was a fit? And do you guys think he did a good job? I think it gets better as the run goes on. I feel like he finds his footing a little bit more, uh, especially in the way that he sort of depicts uh carol's emotions i and and i especially towards like the and we'll get into it but like the some of the later issues even in the i think like issue 11 like i I was like i was like wow like he he made it to a place where he's like owning the character and you can really feel that and it's like seeping out of the pages so i think that at the beginning it's it's appropriate and it gets better from there and it, and it starts to fit more and I feel like he gets more comfortable but towards the beginning it's like it's fine right what about you Phil I think it, I think it's I think it's good actually I, I think it's really mm. crisp um, it's very easy to distinguish everything uh, whoever did the coloring did a really Lee good Lourdes. job because yeah because it pops every page uh, also has that kind of uh, you just open up a random issue and it, a lot of, of Captain Marvel's primary colors are used as kind of accent colors like there's a lot of that golden kind of bronze kind of look There, there's a lot of the navy blues uh, and a lot of the shadows have like a lot of the red so it, it kind of I think there's like an expertise of, of the coloring and the crisp art I, I, I think they I don't know what else there is to say. I think it, it it 
definitely looks pretty. Yeah, um, I, I agree with that general idea when it comes to the actual art as far as what he drew. Um, my biggest concern was that the the sort of planet that they're on, Torfa, it just looks so generic, yeah. I felt. Yeah. Um, and it just doesn't stand out in any way. This isn't a planet that I, I could care about. I cared about the people that we were presented with, but I couldn't get into the planet itself because it's just so basic. There's a moment where um, Carol and Elena are walking and they're in some sort of building and you it literally could have just been any apartment building in New York. Um, and, and even I just I just went to a random page in issue uh, five and you look at the side of these buildings and they look like buildings that exist in, in our life. Like they just look they look basic. This building even has, you know, similar um, vents that you would find in, in, you know, in apartment buildings and buildings in New York. And I just didn't feel like there was enough range there as far as the kinds of things that we saw on this planet. Speaking of New York and like, is that her base? The Statue of Liberty? Is that like a thing? <laughs> for this for this run there was well from it's from the prior run oh okay um but that's not that's not like oh typical. okay okay i gotta be honest you can't imagine that that's a yeah, very right? comfy place to live <laughs> get, <laughs> get tourists all the time it's probably really dank uh, i agree but yeah i mean i think that's really challenging for an artist and for a writer even to create a visually distinct planet and I don't know if there's as much incentive to do that here because they're only there for five issues or whatever. Right. It, and and that's that's frustrating, I guess, you know. Yeah. Because you kind of want to see more. It's kind of a disservice that it was only five issues. And it kind of circles back to what we've been talking about this whole time. This is the most compelling part of the 15 issues. And it's only like five issues long and there's less incentive for the writer or the artist in general i'm speaking generally here uh to really come up with a charismatic environment or a charismatic appearance for these new characters when you know they're going to be gone in five issues anyway that's very fair but it, it it takes away from the ability to enjoy the rest of the presentation i guess for sure because it's a little bit of a disservice to the reader, but I, I, I totally un- understand it. Yeah. So from there, honestly, the run is just kind of mostly built around individual stories that, that don't have like a whole lot to do with each other. We, the, we get the issue with um, Rocket and, uh, and the cat, Chewie. Um, and it's revealed that the cat is actually a flurkin, and um, these bounty hunters or whatever from from earlier on in the run come back, and they want to take the cat, <laughs> and it, it just gets really silly. What did you guys think about the next few issues? They're 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 all different, and there's a lot of different things that happen. What did you guys think about this? I felt like it was disjointed. Yeah, I, I agree. It was disjointed. Um... I still had I still had fun with them though. I I like that they were shorter and more like bite sized actually. Uh, it, so like the the second volume I actually enjoyed the most out of the uh, out of the two because just because it was like it, you know you come in it's a quick story and it provides enough time for it to 
like those shorter stories it has enough time to like sort of sit and I, i'm okay with like one issue random stuff like the the santa thing was kind of fun uh going to have a tick get married was kind of interesting and having her flex her some of her like writing uh in a, in a more interesting way was was kind of cool uh i i enjoyed them they were they were like a nice i felt in between what i thought was going to be a bigger story towards the end and that kind of was what kind of burned me well i think these i think issues six seven eight nine it kind of speaks to the larger point that i was trying to kind of weave here is that i don't think they're trying to get bogged down with details i think they're just meant to be quick fun stories for a new reader who maybe doesn't want to get bogged down with an ongoing because the the stuff with chewy being a monster (laughs) like it's just you know it's fun light-hearted stuff or having lila cheney who's this rock star uh get entangled with like this arranged marriage kind of deal it it's just all slice of life stuff. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I think that was also the intention here. I think that intention showed more than it did where like the first arc was trying to be a bigger story and that's where it falters for me. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Very interesting. That issue where, um, well, I guess it's a, it's a, it's a couple issues um, where, uh, as you said, Tick goes to get married, married or ends up getting married, and there's this whole arranged marriage angle, and they are all speaking in rhyme. That was my favorite part of this whole series. Yeah. No, that was no, that was fun. Uh, it kind of reminded me of like old Etrigan comics. Oh, it's uh, iambic pentameter. It is like iambic pentameter. Thank you. Um, and I think I, if I can highlight one thing from this entire run that I would really compliment it's Kelly Sue DeConnick's dialoguing mm-hmm. I agree she has she a phenomenal job with that yeah I agree I think I think she really seems to have a grasp on the character and what she set out to do what they actually do um, it all works fine um, and like I said the issue that was the most focused on dialogue because there was a special sort of element at play where everything had to rhyme i found myself reading the next couple of like the next issue like that until i had to snap myself out like it's over now relax you know (laughs) um but yeah i just i just thought that was a lot of fun and uh again her flex kelly flexing her her muscles um but my biggest issue with these issues is that they don't feel terribly focused on Carol Danvers. It's just putting her in different situations for her to react to stuff, and mm. um, there is no grander story at play. And and even if even there doesn't need to be, but even given that there's not, it doesn't feel like she's the focus. This these issues, to be honest, though fun, felt like you have to do these because we need to fill out two trades or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think she had a flat story arc here, which isn't a bad thing. This is a narrative device where you have a character who already has a set core of values and is already a character, and you put her in new environments to interact with it. And that type of story arc really benefits to having slice of life stories because there's no, as far as the run is concerned, there's no need for character development. She doesn't have this 
obstacle to overcome at any point. And that's not a bad thing. It's just how the, the, the 15 issues are structured. Here's Captain Marvel. These are the fun things she's interacting with, or not fun things in the case of the first five <laughs> issues. Yeah, for sure. Um, these are these kinds of runs are the ones that I, when I'm reading comics for my own, for myself, you know, what I purchase, what I, you know, um, what I read for pleasure, are the ones that I typically avoid. And yeah. what I mean by that is, you know. I don't like to read fluff stories too, too much. Um, and, you know, hey, for some people, these are going to be super fun. And, and, you know, there are probably people who really love these and all respect. But for me, I want I want to dig in with the character. And I actually am a big fan of Carol's personality and her struggles and her strife. And those are things that I became familiar with. Uh, earlier on in the mid to late 2000s and then actually after this run more recently um, we've had the what's it called the I forget the the but it, it's it's a retelling of Carol's origin story in a way um, it, it sort of brings her back to her hometown and talks about her mom and different things like that and her brother um, and it talks about her struggles and what it was like for her growing up and it explains in a lot of ways why she is who she is and i love that stuff because it's a character that i'm i'm fascinated by for me though this run especially after issue five just didn't give me anything to chew on um yeah the problem with books like this is if your main character is going to be a passenger to navigate through this environment and you react to things through the main character's eyes Everything else around that character has to be really interesting and thought out. But when you have a planet, like in the first five issues, that's kind of visually in uh, visually underdeveloped and also the characters are underdeveloped and everything else after that is just kind of one-and-done stuff where, where none of it really matters, there's less incentive for a reader to go back and pick up a ne- the next issue. Yeah. Because you could be like, well, I, I could pick up three in a month or two. Like, like I'll let this come out for a while and I'll pick them up or whatever and bang them out if you're really into it. But otherwise, really, what incentive is there to... What, what kind of cliffhanger is there for you to pick up the next issue? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, unless you guys have any other core points you wanted to bring up, I'm sort of out of it as far as... I, I think we've, we've sort of told the tale of this, um, this run. Uh, can you tell me more about that 2005 Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel run? Nope, I sure can't, because I don't remember it. All right. <laughs> uh, I, re- I really was a fan, but that was just a period of time where there were so many other things coming out, and uh, for whatever reason, that run doesn't stand out to me as far as what actually took place. That's cool. Civil War was coming out then, right? Yeah. What does Marvel need to do to write a, ca- a definitive Captain Marvel book? So they actually, they actually just produced a brand new, like a new number one or whatever, uh, with with. No Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and it 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 piggybacks off of the the origin story that I just mentioned. Uh, it's Kelly Thompson and Carmen Carnero. Um, on that run, mm. and again, it's again, it's it's sort of th- this one actually. Um, 
Is that the the life of the life Captain of Marvel the life of Captain Marvel is the the one that re, sort of you know fleshes out her origin more, but this run oh, the okay. the new Captain Marvel from 2019 it's a new number one, um, this run in particular it's just started but it feels like it's aping a Captain America story that Rick Remender told because uh, Carol at the end of the book spoilers uh, she ends up going through a portal. And, you know, comes out the other side and we see that time has, a lot of time has has passed and she's this war-torn hero of this desolate planet and all this different stuff like that. Um, Which they did in Captain America, Rick Remender's run. Um, He puts him on some other planet or whatever. And once I saw that, I was like, okay, not for me. Because I want, I don't like it much when characters get removed from their natural environment. Because... And it's sort of why I, did, I didn't love the fact that this went into space immediately, the run we just talked about. Uh, the reason why I feel that way is because I want to see them interact with the people who know them and love them. I want to see them interact. I think it depends, though, because there are plenty of books where a character is thrown out. That's a good narrative technique where you throw your character out of the familiar. Uh, we keep talking about that Planet Hulk book, but that was a really good run of Hulk being thrown into something unfamiliar. Uh, Batman being th- thrown into the Middle East with all the racial ghoul stuff. Is some of the like, best Batman stuff ever published. It, it, it can work, but I think you need to give a really strong foundation for the character right. to be put out of their right. element. So, yeah, that's a good point. And I, I guess sort of walking back what I said a little bit and clarifying it, that's great for characters who I have a wealth of familiarity mm-hmm. with. Yeah. Um, and you can do that with the Batmans and Hulks and whoever. And I'm not saying that you cannot, as a rule, do that with Captain Marvel. It's just that, for me, I'm still waiting for that that run that I can dig into and feel like, okay, this is who Captain Marvel is. And for me, when you want to do that, I need it. I feel like it works best when they're in their environment that... You know, we get to see their friends and foes that they're most familiar with instead of putting them somewhere different. That's just me, though. I'm sure there's plenty of people who will love this run, and that's great. Yeah, I I, I think they're constantly... I get the impression they're constantly trying to uh, solidify who Captain Marvel is with each of these new rebrandings of the books, I mean. Uh, it, It almost feels like, to me, they need to just put her... Give her an environment and like have a base of you know core supporting characters and antagonists and then you can go from there it's like a web you need to have a nucleus of that web before you spread it out and you compared her to wonder woman earlier and one of the things that we often talk about or have talked about on the show proper is that wonder woman also does not have that definitive (laughs) run you know and um I think there's something to that. I, I don't know what exactly, but it's weird to me that you can say that for both of the sort of A-tier um, premier Marvel female heroes. You asked the question, what does Marvel need to do to tell a definitive Captain Marvel story? And I think it, it what it requires is the time to have a the same writer and the same artist tell a story that develops and evolves over the course of not 15 issues, maybe 30 issues, you know? Um, I mean, it doesn't need to be that. There's no number. Um, but a story 
that is really looking to define the character, that's looking to put the stamp on and say, this is who and what Captain Marvel is. This is what she's about. This is what she loves. This is what she detests and despises. This is how she's challenged in life. This is how she overcomes challenges. And I don't feel, and this is, again, the biggest criticism, I don't feel like this is, I don't feel like that's what we got here. But to your point, Phil, that's probably not the point. But to me, that's what she needs. She needs a strong white male to write her. Oh, no. <laughs> and tell her definitive story from a right perspective. Yikes. Uh, I think of I think of Black Panther. You know, we did we did Nation Under Our Feet uh, a few book clubs back, and that was uh, 15, 16 issues that we read. Um, and to me, as someone who had never ever ever read a solo Black Panther story before, that was defining. That was like, okay, I get him. I understand this character. That hasn't happened yet with Captain Marvel. And maybe Kelly Thompson's run will be that. We don't know. So, to close it, um, is this a book that you guys would recommend to anyone? Would you Would you put your stamp on it? Would you recommend this book? Uh, I would not, just because I thought it was an okay story. And I'd, I would want somebody to get more, like, hyped for something. And I think if that peter david run or if even the first kelly sue run is is gets you more of the character and i think i would recommend that instead of this which is more of a uh, a series of being in the shoes of captain marvel as she gets she goes through different adventures versus getting to learn who she is and i think that would probably do you guys the most service in terms of yeah, digging into that. I think that's I think that's uh, I think that's fair, Phil. Yeah, Brian Reed wrote that 2005 run, um, which I can't speak to either. I didn't even know it came out. I recognize that cover you mentioned, but never read it. You know what, guys? He he sounds like a strong white male, so I don't know. <laughs> um, I would recommend this audience, this book to like a new Marvel audience, maybe. Like I mentioned before, I think a younger reader that's just getting into Marvel, this is probably... I also think this is probably a good introduction book for someone like Captain Marvel, where it's like, there are no... There's no real vested interest for you to finish it or um, stick with it. There's no real obligation here. Hmm. But, But it gives you kind of a crash course on who she is not necessarily her origin story but just who carol danvers is um and i think it's light enough that a new reader that doesn't have a real background in comic books might be able to get into it so i think that's the person i would recommend this to but someone that's like a diehard or who's been reading comics for years or even an an older audience someone in their mid to late 20s i probably wouldn't recommend this to Mm. in fact there's other Kelly Sue comic books I would recommend, like Bitch Planet, for someone like that. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's I think that's fair to say. Um, I personally wouldn't push someone towards this book if they wanted to read Captain Marvel. Um, if they if they specifically wanted to read Captain Marvel, then I would talk to them about the life of Captain Marvel, which certainly had its flaws, but it gives you the nuts and bolts of the character. 
And if you read that book, well, then you'll understand, okay, well, this is her family life. This is, you know, her origin. This is everything. Um, and, and so that's a good primer. It's a good way to come into a character. Whereas with this book, if you know nothing about Marvel, you immediately have a lot of questions like, why is she with War Machine? All this different kind of stuff. It doesn't spend enough time in the homeland. Um, so I would not recommend this book as a general rule, but if someone wanted more Captain Marvel after they read The Life of Captain Marvel, then this is something that I would go to. But uh, that's going to do it for us here on this installment of the book club. Uh, we do these monthly, so every month there is a new Comics Pals book club that drops on the last Friday of the month. So stay tuned for plenty of more book clubs that we've got coming down the pipe. The next one being uh, Shazam, and that'll be on the 29th of March. Oh, <laughs> Captain Marvel. We're doing Captain Marvel two months in a row. Yeah, Could help you ourselves. know, we... we, we yeah um and we'll be posting the reading list after this episode comes out uh on our instagram and twitter and then we've also got a back catalog of some of some good book clubs for you guys to check out as well we did hellboy which we all had a blast with i think uh we did pride of baghdad not too not too long ago uh that was also a lot of fun we did klaus as a holiday special so we've got a lot of them that we've done and if you're into this format you can go check that out but if you're not familiar with us what we normally do on a weekly basis is a comic book podcast called the comics pals where we talk about everything that involves comics every form of media that comic book characters you know appear in we talk about that including of course and especially comics and film um and it's a lot of fun so come check that out marco phil myself pete and kale we have a blast, so join the party. There are plenty of ways that you can reach out to us and let us know what you think about this book club and anything else. We are at the Comics Pals on social media. We are at the Comics Pals on YouTube where you can like this video, drop us a comment, share with your friends, and subscribe to our channel. And if you want to write in, you can do so by hitting us up at thecomicspals at gmail.com. So with that, we're the Comics Pals signing off. Take care, guys. Shazam! <laughs>